You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You never really think of Louisville as a tough place to play, but then when you get in that place, whether it's 35,000 or 55,000, it's a loud, energetic crowd, lots of beer and bourbon flowing. I was going to say, I think y'all, I think y'all sell some brown water in there. So yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we, the- we, we sell some brown water. <laughs> Welcome back into another episode of From the Pink Seeds podcast. This is Jacob Lane along with Matt McGavick here uh, as we dive into another week of Louisville football. Uh, as the cards are back from the bye week uh, and uh, heading into a, a primetime matchup on Saturday night with the Pittsburgh Panthers. We appreciate you all for tuning in. Hopefully you've been tuned in throughout the season. Uh, for those who are new to the show, welcome. Uh, we hope that you subscribe from the Pink Seats Podcast anywhere you get your shows and follow us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod. We've got a great episode today and it's our first of two this week as we get ready for the game on Saturday. Uh, for this episode, we'll be joined by the ACC Network's uh, ESPN's Eric McLean. Eric has been on the show before. Uh, we are big fans of his work over on the ACC network and of course the huddle there with EJ Manuel uh, Jordan Cornette and coach Rick um, it's been it's been great to get to catch up with Eric uh, and this episode is no different Matt it, it's always interesting for me to get somebody who has an opinion that is not a fan-based opinion uh, that can talk about Louisville because we often get called homers right I don't think anybody who anybody who covers Louisville is, is typically is called a homer that's just the way it goes but yep. we have intentionally tried to ensure that we get national voices on this show so that we can often take a dose of reality we need that reality check from time to time and there's no better time to do that right now than what we're coming off of where louisville has started rough it's three and three they need wins they need them bad and they're about to face a schedule that is extremely daunting Uh, and i felt like what we got from eric and what the listeners are going to get on this episode is some of the reality that we talked about but also looking at some of the things with a different perspective that's not so negative yeah and and i hate that i had to miss the first time when we had him on because McLean is a great guy, very knowledgeable, and he's he's very clearly passionate about the way he presents it. It's one thing to be knowledgeable and, and just be monotone and talk like Bill Belichick. No, he's he brings energy and, like you said, Jacob, different perspective. I mean, of course, the way Louisville season's up to this point now, it's not all going to be positive. We know that. There's going to be some negatives that we have to discuss and talk about, as uncomfortable as it may, as it may be. But it's always refreshing to see – an outsider's perspective from especially from a national stage 
kind of validate some of what Louisville is doing while simultaneously talk about what they could be doing better. It, it yeah. helps, it, it helps spur more discussion and more debate. That's maybe not can be labeled like Homerism. <laughs> yeah. And I also think not to give away too many details of what we're about to, what you guys are about to dive into and listen to here, but I thought that the conversation around some of the staff, some of the things that's happening on the offense, I think these are really good discussions from a national perspective where you get a different kind of opinion and you see things and, and it confirmed a lot of what we've seen, which for me is an interesting thing to see the national perspective kind of have some of the same questions on what's happening with the offense and Malik Cunningham this year. Uh, so a great episode in store for you guys with Eric McLean uh, as always, as I said before, subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast from. Give us a follow at Pink Seats Pod on Twitter, at State of Lou, the State of Lou on Twitter. Give Matt a follow at Matt underscore McGavick as we get ready to head into crossover season with all the sports coming back at one time. All the great work that you can find on the uh, Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated. And of course, check out stateoflouisville.com. Uh, stay tuned here. We'll be right. Uh, we'll be joined right on the other side by Eric McLean. And then after that episode, go ahead and jump over into our preview episode as we dive into uh, the Pittsburgh game on Saturday and what you can expect in a game that is an absolute must win. Uh, so we'll be right back. On the other side, we'll be joined by Eric McLean. Joined now by Eric McLean of the ACC Network, former Clemson offensive lineman. Eric, welcome back in for the second time. Recurring guest. We can now attach that to your name. Come on, baby. I feel good. I need to add that to my bio on, on ESPN when I go on. I'm, <laughs> That's I'm right. great, man. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Well, the last time we had you on, and I, I don't remember if it was you or if it was your colleague, but during the uh, spring game at Louisville, we got a shout out from the ACC Network for a podcast. <laughs> and when that happened, my phone blew up and everything because I was actually at the game. So, you know, we need to keep that type of energy going moving forward with you back on the show. So on the huddle on Saturday night, I'm expecting some form of, of, of finding a way to sneak in from the pink seats into That's the show. Right. That's what I'm expecting. <laughs> Secondly, though. I love the hoodie, girl, dad. I see that. Oh, I don't. Is, is that is that? Were you new dad? I don't remember if last time we had a shot. Yeah. Brand How's it going? Welcome she, to the club, she, man. Thank you very much. She she is a month old tomorrow, so Aww. we're figuring it out. Uh, just so blessed, man. So exciting to uh, see that baby girl grow each and every day. As I know, y'all probably know, it, it's something new, uh, hour by hour. It feels like, but we're we're blessed, man. Mama's doing great. Uh, baby sleeping good, eating good. We are we're blessed and highly favored for all that in the thick of football season. No, sure, not sure what I was thinking. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, right. and, and just because you said that, it's only going to go downhill from here. Right. Well, you know, I got a little <laughs> table here. I'm knocking on it. We're, we're figuring it out. There you go. Well, let's let's dive right in here. And I want to start with uh, your catchphrase for Louisville, your signature kind of name that you've given them. And I know a lot of people have heard this and probably not really been sure of what you're talking about, where it comes from. So I want to just give you a second here for the Louisville fans listening, uh, where this this term team of mystery kind of came from. I think we all understand, right. you know, once you kind of describe what, what it is, but just for those who maybe have caught it and, and without much context, when you talk about Louisville being the team of mystery in the ACC, what do you mean by that? It, it is a thing that, you know, just drove me not, I'm going to take my glasses off for this, uh, that, that just drove me crazy. <laughs> Uh, a year ago, and I, I would just look at the talent. I would look at the game and, and what I think is about to happen. And without fail, every game, the opposite happened of what I said. If, if I said Louisville stinks, they can't figure it out, they're about to get murdered, boom, Malik goes for 10,000 yards in one game and just blows the team out of the door. If I say, man, they've got it, they've got this thing going, Leak's playing like crazy, he's being super accurate, super effective, that defense is really playing well. 
boom, Kentucky just scored again, you know, on a running quarterback play. And it just, I, I never can get it right with them. I never can figure it out. So they're a mystery to me. So they are the team of mystery. And this year is, has been no different. I mean, we, we come into the season where there's a lot of excitement about Malik Cunningham and, and this team and taking a big step forward and, you know, the, the defense growing up and there, there's so much just star power everywhere I look. There's these names, there's these guys, but for whatever reason, we can't get on the same page at the same time. And, and so for me, that is kind of what, what has led to this three and three start here um, to, to where you're, you just see flashes, man. And, and you're just, man, I, I wish we could see that on a consistent basis. I wish we could see this every single play. And I know you, you guys do definitely more than, than I, um, but that's just kind of where it comes from. And, and it stinks because I, I think this team can be and should be really good. But for whatever reason, the, just that lack of consistency has been absolutely killing Louisville for, you know, really the last two and a half years. And trying to predict what they're going to do is a task in and of itself. I mean, on our show heading into the season, we thought, oh, yeah, given recent history, given what Louisville is, given what Syracuse is, oh, yeah, Louisville's going to run away with this game. Boom. Right. Complete opposite happens. Next week, oh, we're thinking they're going to get killed by UCF. They win in a defensive slugfest, which <laughs> that never happens against UCF. They've just been repeating it's literally a roller coaster win loss Every win week. loss right, right. so yeah. the, the team of mystery tech pretty much applies perfectly just how them. it is man and i think that i think honestly that the ufc game and the the virginia game i think that was the last one but those yeah. are the two perfect ones because i'm like oh malik's not playing he averages like 90 percent of their offense how are they going to do anything they're going to get murdered and uh -huh going to throw an intermediate passing. I mean, it's just, yeah, you're, you're spot on, man. I mean, we talked all week leading into that game against Virginia. There's no way Louisville's offense is going to be able to do anything, anything. They're without Malik. And here comes Brock Doman just slinging the football around like an ACC quarterback. Uh, right. It just never fails that they do the exact opposite of what you right. think. Well, well how about how about the 60-yard zone read where he pulls it and like nobody oh, beautiful. anywhere near him? And then he just like got lit on fire after that. He's like, I'm confident I can do this thing. It's yeah. a community college. I can deal this thing all day, man. Yeah, and, we talked uh, we talked a little bit about it last week, and I don't know if you remember the play I'm talking about, but if you go back to 2019 against Wake Forest with Evan Conley late in the game where they won on a fourth down run, it's not the exact same play, but uh, our our social media director at the State of Louisville put a clip together of them side by side. It's just, it's identical in their in its nature on a fourth down run where the quarterback keeps it and the defense is nowhere to be found. Yeah, it's I, I guess when it's not Malik back there, you think there's no way this guy's pulling the football and everybody just hones in on that running back and uh, 64 yards later, see it for six. We talk about how Louisville's been inconsistency, team of mystery, whatever label you want to add it. There, there's a lot that you can pick on, pick from from this next question I'm about to ask, but what's been the most surprising or shocking development from the season? Has it been the blowout loss to Syracuse? the comeback loss to Boston College, them taking it to Virginia on the road, short several key playmakers. I mean, a team that continues to put up surprise after surprise keeps outdoing themselves. And it's almost hard to pick what's been the biggest shock so far this season. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on a positive note here and, and something that I, I did not foresee happening, especially in this league with a Clemson, with a Pittsburgh, with a Miami and that's that Louisville leads power five with 22 sacks. I mean, that is nuts. And, and it's not been crazy scheme. It hasn't been these chaotic blitzes. It's just been guys up front winning and going and getting after the quarterback. So for me, that that's a recipe that that shows progress. Like in, in this league, in the SEC, 
you have to be able to dominate up front. You have to be able to, to change and move the line of scrimmage, whether in the run or in the pass. And those guys are showing that they've done that. And so if they can keep that going, if they can keep that type of momentum, you're feeling pretty good about, you know, the rest of the schedule and things that you can alter a football game. And of course you need your quarterback to be healthy. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a, a positive surprise here. <laughs> the defense absolutely getting after the quarterback. Yeah, it's been crazy with Yasir Abdullah, I think fourth or fifth on the team in sacks. He's been more of a decoy this season than anything. And we talked well, a lot less. I, I think what we're, we're seeing it with Will Anderson, I mean, at Alabama, yeah, people know who you are and they're yeah. locking in and they're going to chip you. They're going to slide to you. They're going to double team you. And so it, it, it's it's a good thing that Louisville can respond to that and other guys can step up because if if it was like, okay, there's the problem, we're going to solve it and nothing else happens, then you're like, well, we're one trick pony, but they've been able to really respond. And as you just said, use him as a decoy, use him to go in and, you know, kind of disguise other things because so much attention is on him. So I, I do think that's a bit of a positive too. Yeah. And just another note here, Louisville is on pace to set uh, all of the records from a sack perspective this year, uh, including when they finished uh, first in 2013 in sacks, second in 20 uh, in 2006 and third in 2005. Louisville's on pace to outdo all of that. And they're doing it with the defensive line, which has just been a, a, an absolute weakness the last three years to the point that we thought there was no chance they bring back the defensive line coach. And now here they are. And, and that's the best unit on the team. I've said all year, Yaya Diaby has been the MVP of this Louisville yes. team. Which if you had that, man, Whew, there's a reason you're working for ESPN and we're not right there with that type of analysis. <laughs> I think that's a, that's an inside knowledge. Y'all yeah. would probably know that more than we did just, you know, and, and guys being able to see him. Like I, I would have had to call E Wood for that one saying, yeah. what's Yaya doing? How, how's he looking? But it, it's just great to see, man, because guys go out with injury and they're a little bit forgotten about. And, and then when you come back and, and you play at this level, I mean, the, the, the two or three plays at the top of my mind, when I, when I think of Yaya, of him just, imposing his will and just getting up flexing on him just looking like this monster and i'm just like whoo that's a bad boy right there yeah for sure all right well let me ask you this let's let's jump into the coaching side of things which i think is becoming more of the national conversation with louisville obviously we've already seen an acc team move on from their head coach and jeff collins uh, down at georgia tech and louisville is now considered to be the next kind of spot where a coaching move could be made in the acc what do you make of, of Satterfield being mentioned as a coach on the hot seat? Um, and in your opinion, is that a real discussion at this point? Or is that something that's just kind of a fan, uh, you know, people around the program type of chatter, but really most likely isn't a, a real option? You know, I, I think not having the insight with, you know, Louisville's athletic department and, and knowing where the numbers are, I'm not sure if they're great. Um, it, it's expensive to fire coaches, right? It, it's expensive mm -hmm. to have to pay buyouts and in the things not just the head coach the position coaches and, and different things that, that come with that but I think there was some real juice before that Virginia game of people saying well look out for this some, something might be happening here uh, with this situation because kind of as I said when, when you look around this team and you look around who they have star power wise name wise the way the schedule lines up for you you expect more victories. You you expect more W's and, and effort and, and continuity. I mean, the fact that I, I don't want to blame this on coaching, but but it is, I think, 50-50. The fact that Malik Cunningham has three passing touchdowns in six, seven games is bananas to me. It, it mm -hmm. makes absolutely mm -hmm. no sense. And, and is that a he, he thing or is that a coaching thing? We saw a guy in Hendon Hooker who – whatever he did at Virginia Tech is now a Heisman like front runner. 
you see that change of scenery. You see what happens when they're with a, a coaching staff that number one believes in them, but number two utilizes them to their best ability. So I don't know, man. I, I think that there is some legitimacy behind it. I think that depending on how Louisville finishes here, which you know, a tough stretch with Pittsburgh, Wake Forest. James Madison is actually a very tough game this year. Clemson, NC State, and Kentucky. That is a brutal finish. I mean, this is probably one of the hardest, you know, kind of finishing schedules here in, in the entire country. If you go over, it might be curtains. It might be curtains. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we were talking about heading – and before the Virginia game, you were looking at a scenario where if you lose that game, Eric, you probably don't win an ACC game. And now you get that win under your belt. Louisville fans, you know, we're doing this kind of cycle thing where we on Mondays we're down and out. We don't believe in the program. And by Fridays, it's we're going to win a national championship type of mentality each week. Uh, but it's getting more and more uh, to be to the point of Sat's going to have to go out and do something he's never done to retain his job. He's never beaten a, a team in the top 25 who was ranked at the beginning of the season or ranked when they played and was ranked at the end of the year. He's never won three games in a row at Louisville. There are all these things that you kind of rip off that he's going to have to do. And that's why I think a lot of Louisville fans are like, there's no chance. There's just no chance at this point. Uh, but, you know, there's still football to be played. Like we said, yeah. there's there's time on the clock for sure. How much, and you guys know this way better than I do, how much of this recruiting class that he has coming in matters? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but like this is the best maybe class ever coming ever, in? Ever, ever. It's, it's so in like line if, too, yeah. If you fire him, those guys are probably gone? Do you, maybe. Do you risk that? Maybe. maybe. That's the key because we really don't know how yeah. much of it in this new era of recruiting is Satterfield versus NIL versus, sure. you know, those kind of things that are at the, are factors on the back end of recruiting. Yeah. Um, but it does appear, and Matt, you you are the journalist here, so you step in and, and provide any kind of facts, but it does appear that Louisville is in good standing with several of these guys, uh, regardless of what happens with the coaching position, if they move on or if they stay with Satterfield. That's just what I see from my side. Yeah, just, I mean, we don't have like the concrete figures and like, oh, X players getting X amount NIL, but like just the overall vibe with a lot of the top guys, maybe not every single one, but especially with guys like Ruben Owens and Pierce Clarkson, it, it, it seems like they're pretty stone cold locked into Louisville, no matter who is coaching. I could be dead wrong and they could be both gone if, if Satterfield is let go, but that's just the, just from a, an outsider's perspective, what, what the situation is on that front. But kind of going back to, the coaching search or well not, not coaching search. There's, there's no opening yet, but just the coaching front. We all know that the precursor to an, an inevitable firing is the head coach making some sort of shakeup on the staff. Like, Hey, this coordinator is let go. This position coach is let go, you know, something along those lines. Louisville didn't do anything or Satterfield didn't do anything completely along those lines, mm -hmm. but I have that Virginia game. He did say, Hey, I'm going to get more involved in the defensive game plan. I'm going to, get Lance Taylor a lot more involved with play calling which may or may not have been an outright lie we still are a little bit <laughs> shaky on that we front. don't know we don't know but are you surprised given the results up to this point that there's been no actual staff changes yet yeah you, you know one that was interesting kind of leading into the season was the the strength staff and, and changing the strength staff and I remember from a year ago there were so many games that Louisville just couldn't close. Like mm -hmm. you had Virginia beat, mm -hmm. they scored like 21 points or 18 fourth quarter points. You have Clemson beat, they score 14 fourth quarter points, you score zero. There, there was a couple other examples there that to me, 
that's finishing. That's your strength staff. That's going into the fourth quarter with a mindset on top of coaching. Obviously, strength staff's not making any calls. But to me, that was a necessary thing. And they did that. And I was like, okay, now we've got our guy in. We feel better. We're going to do these things. And you still saw some more of that. So that's why, yeah, I, I do think it's confusing a little bit, Matt, that maybe we didn't see more or, or haven't seen more. But I don't know, man. It, it's such a difficult thing when you start changing these staffs and there's that desperation. Mm -hmm. And I, that's almost like a writing on the wall type of thing when you start doing all that. It's like, what can we possibly do to save ourselves? And I'm not sure. It, it's it's weird, man. I think maybe if we get through this season, that probably will happen. And then it's like, okay, well, start the clock. Here it goes. And before you jump in, Jacob, I, I kind of will build on that. I mean, ahead of the Virginia game, Satterfield says, yeah, I'm going to get Lance Taylor more involved play calling. Lance Taylor says he's not sure what exact role is going to be, but I'm sure there's going to be an adjustment in that role. And then we see the Virginia game and, I'm, and we're like, oh my God, a lot of these play calls not only are not vanilla, not predictable, they look good. They are conducive to success, not only on the run game with getting their inside zone more, more involved, but, you know, giving Brock Doman six, like confidence to be able to orchestrate the passing game. And then in the post-game press conference, Harris Satterfield says, yeah, I was the one calling the plays. I mean, that's, the most ultimate flex right there. I thought that was the funniest that, thing, man. Have you seen anything like this? Like, it's like, yeah, I'm going to get my guys more involved in play calling. And then after a successful game, it's like, oh, yeah, that's me. Have, right. have you seen a situation where – I don't even know what to describe this situation oh. with the play calling. Like, have you, is there anything comparable to your experience? No, I mean, it's, it's nuts, man. It, it really is because like, I, I understand that's your bread and butter. That's what you do. It's probably why you got the Louisville job. That's why you got the app state job is because you're such a offensive minded guy, but just let it be that. Let, let me just be the guy don't, don't try to, you know, flex anything and, and say, we're trying to help this guy out. He's going to be doing this and that. And, and you're still, I just don't understand the point of it. And so what do you, what do you think LT's think? Like how weird is that for him and the confidence that, that he now has with preparation and game plan and practice and all these things. So it's a weird situation, man. It truly is. It just feels very uncomfortable. Like right. they, they, and it's what even takes it even further is Satterfield yesterday talking about the staff talks about how they're just now beginning to gel as a unit. And the Virginia game was the first example of what that looked like. But then you have, you know, all these questions about the play calling and the way that Satterfield handled that just doesn't seem to match what he had said the few days prior. It's just, it's yeah. so weird at this point. I think there's just so many different ways that you could go at this. And so when I ask this question, and, and I've heard several of your colleagues say this on broadcast, I've heard it on national broadcast, I've heard it on local. The question it continues to be is what impact has Lance Taylor made on this team? Do you feel like you see anything that's different about Louisville offensively than what they were the last couple of years? Because up until Virginia, I hadn't, uh, but we saw the pop pass kind of come back. We saw the intermediate passing. We saw things that were new that made you kind of say, maybe this is Lance Taylor. And then to find that it wasn't, it's like, well, then we're right back at square one. Right. And I think that's what's so confusing is we just don't know what influence he's even been allowed to have. Like, like, is he just strictly coaching his position group and, and doing, you know, things like that? Or is he is he having some some impact in, in the play calling? Is he having some impact in the in the game plan for the week? And so that's I have no idea because I, I just don't know his involvement. I, I don't know what piece of it you know ha has been him that the only thing that I can assess. And again, it's, it's nothing I, I don't think necessarily on him, but 
just the lack of production from the quarterback position, throwing the football and scoring touchdowns is baffling to me. And a guy that's a four-year starter that should have an unbelievable grasp and understanding of the offense, I mean, we've seen him go over 200 yards twice. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about. And that's a great bridge because that was about, actually about to be my next question. It was about Malik Cunningham and his performance up to this year. It seemed over the offseason, they made all this noise about how they're going to work on his abilities as a pocket passer, which maybe is in retrospect is not the best idea to do. Like, just let him be him, but just not even just as a pocket passer, as a passer to begin with. D- is it just me or us, or do you see a little bit of a regression from Cunningham as a passer? Because over blatant overthrows on wide open guys are still a huge issue. The the deep ball does not seem to be there. Now, granted, Louisville does not have a true deep ball threat on their right. roster right now. And the intermediate game, at least up until that Virginia game, was nowhere to be found. No. So it's not like some of the elite throws that Cunningham seemed to struggle with it because they're elite throws for a reason. But it seems like some of the more basic or more fundamentally sound throws in the playbook seem to be a little bit of a struggle point for Cunningham this year. You know what? what's so strange? I think almost the Syracuse game was the, the perfect picture of it because he just looked like he was he was handcuffed. He looked like he was told – this is the box that you get to play in. And mm-hmm. so to me, it's like, what are you trying to do? Why, why are you doing this? And and we actually had coach Satterfield come on with us on, on the podcast th- this summer. And we're just talking about different things. And he said, yeah, there's times in practices. We'll, where we'll tell Malik, he cannot run. He has to just throw the ball. And I'm just like, you know how good that guy is. You know how good he is with his legs. Like, like why, why are we putting him? Why are we trying to put him in some box? If that's not really what he can do. And, I think that we're seeing that on top of what you said there, Matt, of that there is no elite go-to go-getter guy where, you know, he, he has that comfort level, at least someone that he's been working with for quite some time. It's been this revolving door at wide receiver. And so to me, it, it's just regression. Yes. I, I don't think that's necessarily all on him. I think that is a little mm-hmm. bit on the coaching staff of, again, trying to contain him, trying to make him do this and that. And that's just not who he is. Let him go play. Let him go ball out and do his thing. And it's that that just doesn't feel like that's been the case at all. It it seems like the attempt to build on his repertoire as a pocket faster had an adverse effect. It almost seemed like he had no other option but right. to try and force throws instead of just actually putting in this effort over the offseason to make him a better passer. At least that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, fun. I mean, like let's let's work on the fundamentals of the throw, not the stay in this pocket until you throw the ball. Like that, that to me is is just a, such a strange thing. And I remember hearing that, and I'm just like, mm, I don't know about that. That that seems to be a very interesting tactic that now we're seeing did not really work. Yeah, and like Matt said, I, throughout the year, I've called out specific passes where I I personally believe you see regression in Malik Cunningham and their their throws that are like five and seven yards. I mean, for instance, one one play we talked about a lot and it didn't end up mattering because Louisville won, but it was a fourth down play call against Central Florida. They throw the ball to Marshawn. He leaks out. He's got, you know, five, six yards to run. Malik puts the ball on the wrong shoulder. He's got to stop and turn back for it against Boston College. There's a crossing route. He's got two receivers essentially mirroring each other. He can pick one or the other and he somehow manages to throw it to the back of Braden Smith's hip where he cannot physically stop and keep running. So it's 
throws like that where you Malik made those throws. That's what I, it's so it's so confusing when you watch him this season. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, he's in my opinion, he was an NFL type of player. And now you've kind of seen that that's not an option for him unless there's drastic improvement. And that leads to the next question here is. Okay, so Brock Doman comes out, right? And he looks like Louisville's got this balanced offense. They can throw the football. They can run the football. Now Brock Doman goes back to the bench, and you have Malik Cunningham come back. There is no quarterback controversy here. But how do you how do you kind of rebuild and retool this offense? If you're Scott Satterfield, are you just leaning into the run and saying, let's run the ball 40 times a game and just use this offensive line to maul people? Or is there something that you can do from a passing standpoint to make Malik more comfortable uh, down the final stretch of the, the, the season where you're playing much better defenses? I, I hope that the, the one thing, and I, I think that you those passes that you just brought up in regards to the regression, you think of, okay, why does that happen? Because fundamentally, I would say he's very similar quarterback. The thing that is the biggest difference is his confidence. And, and I think that's because you took aspects of his game away we saw with DJ Uyunglele what happens when you lose your confidence. You have historically mm-hmm. you know, one of the worst seasons we've seen from a Clemson quarterback, and I don't know how long. And now he regained that, and, and he's one of the best you know players in the entire country. In these two weeks, I hope that they tried to instill that in the league. I hope they tried to instill the fact that hey, you're a great player, man. Let's get let's get back to that. You know, I'm sorry, what we did didn't work. Let's go play football. And you're going to need that because you're going against a Pittsburgh team that loves to get after the quarterback that sacked him like seven or eight times a year ago, I believe. And so he can't be questioning his abilities. He can't be questioning things that he's seeing or his protection or his reads. And so I think you just go back to basics, man. You go back to to saying, hey, let's go have fun. Let's go play football and let's do what we're used to doing. And, And so when I see that, it can be so freeing for a quarterback. Let's get the ball out of his hands early. Let's get some easy throws, get some confidence going. And then, yeah, we're, we're going to run the football. That's what we do. It's what we do all the time throughout my you know, coaching career here, if I'm Scott Satterfield. So to me, it's all about confidence, man. And, and whatever play calls, I'm going to Malik and saying, what do you like? What do you want? What do you want to run? Let's get this thing scripted out, those first 10, and then let's build on that and, and have us a really good game. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they take elements from that Virginia game plan and kind of sprinkle it in with Malik when he comes back to the lineup. But kind of switching gears up a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, it's a little bit of the same when it comes to the consistency standpoint. They have moments where, I mean, they, they have one of the best pass rushes in all of college football, not just the ACC. They have moments where against UCF, we saw what they did against a pr- historically prolific Golden Knights team. We saw what they did against Virginia, which is not – spectacular offensively but I mean when you hold an opponent to six rushing yards no matter who yeah. they are it's, it's pretty good but then they have moments where they blow fourth quarter against Florida State they blow a fourth quarter against Boston College they have moments where they don't look completely like what they did in 2018 but have moments where they just can't cash in on key moments what do you make of this defense and how do you what is your solution to how they get on schedule, on track, insert cliche here about how they stay more consistent. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing is just leaning on those big dogs up front and those linebackers. I mean, let the, that play, let that confidence kind of ooze through the rest of the team and, and really dictate and set the tone. I mean, you've got a Pittsburgh team here coming in, uh, you know, Saturday night, prime time, that what has their identity been? Running the football. What has their identity been when they're throwing it? Not great. They, they have not won a football game having to throw the football. So when they do, 
let's go take advantage of that. Like, let's go get those guys on the ground. Left tackle, you know, one of the best in the conference, and Carter Warren is out for the season. Yeah, We need to see some guys making that new left tackle uncomfortable. We need to see some situations where he's happened to guess, do I stay on the inside guy? Do I go to the outside? Let's set the tone defensively. Let's cause some turnovers. Let's get some juice going. And so for me, man, that, that linebacking core can certainly do it. And that defensive line can. So you've got a huge test with Izzy Abanacanda, who's been playing his tail off. I think he just scored another touchdown on Virginia Tech right now. <laughs> I said last week that I would trade all five of Louisville's running backs for him. Do you think that's a fair deal? <laughs> a, I will literally yeah. give them all five. Trade trade a lot of people for that guy. He, he's so special in, in the Sounds like game. me in my fantasy league. <laughs> yeah. Ironically enough, he uh, they do a lot of those stretch concepts that Louisville does. So he would fit your offense really well. Um, but you, you can't let that guy go get going. Easier said than done. But the way that this team is built, I mean, you got a good shot. And, of course, Louisville family, Louisville nation has to show up. I mean, this is one of the toughest places to play in the conference you got to remind everybody of that in prime time and get your team a win here Saturday night. It's funny you say that because you're not the only one who has said that uh, Cardinal stadium is one of the more underrated places in the ACC. Uh, We had um, sports Illustrated's uh, recruiting director on last off season. And he said the two most underrated places to play in the ACC when the teams are good. And when the environment is full is NC state and Louisville. Yes, I'll agree with both those. Let me let me just tell you something. There's nothing more annoying than that freaking train horn y'all play. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, okay. It's I, I hate it. <laughs> you never really think of Louisville as a tough place to play, but then when you get in that place, whether it's thirty-five thousand or fifty-five thousand, it's a loud, energetic crowd. Lots of beer and bourbon flowing. I was gonna say, I think y'all, I think y'all sell some brown water in there. So which yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we 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 sell some brown water. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fact. So let's look at the final back half of the schedule for Louisville. They sit at three and three. They have one win in the ACC. They need three more wins to even just get bowl eligible. That alone is going to be a tough test. Um, so you, you're talking about over the next uh, six weeks, you've got Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, James Madison, NC State, Clemson, and Kentucky. Do you think Louisville is going to get to six wins? Like just being honest, do you, do you see it? Because I don't. I don't see it at all. I just don't know how it's possible it. playing like this. No. I don't. I mean, I, I think that certainly to, to, to or Saturday night's a virtual lock. Like you have to if have you, to if you don't win that one. I think what you said is true. I mean, going one for whatever in the ACC is is in play. And it just it's it's crazy how loaded the Atlantic is this year. It's crazy just how good this side of the conference is. And the fact that it's backloaded for, for y'all and, and you know, just who you play at the end of the season there. So. I, I, confidence is a crazy thing. Momentum's a crazy thing. We saw it. We've seen it uh, with Georgia Tech and, and the things that they're doing right now. I'm not saying fire Scott and everything's going to be great, but you know, if you can rally this team, if you can feel that togetherness and we can make something happen, maybe that's a, a big win at, a, against Pittsburgh at home. Maybe that's the fuel that really springs board these guys forward, but it, it, it's a tough schedule. And I, I think it would be an amazing accomplishment if Louisville went bowling. Yeah. And and the crazy thing is, it, it is a daunting second half. That's not debatable. But, I mean, when you kind of break it down game by game, it's not as daunting as it was maybe a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Pitt, their sure, run game. Very sure, yeah. Yeah, in, in theory. Yeah. Pitt's run game is great, but uh, Keaton Slovis has been kind of hit or miss in their defense. While they've been great from a production standpoint, they've still allowed a fair amount of points. Wake's offense, good. Wake's defense, not good. James Madison is now no longer undefeated. Uh, NC State, still an elite defense, but now their, their signal caller is gone for an offense that was already 
kind of struggling. Kentucky, we thought they were going to be fantastic up front and have a dominant run game. And the complete opposite. They're, an air, they're back to an air raid offense now. Clemson, no. <laughs> I don't know, man. Look, I don't know, man. That's the one game where Louisville last year, I know, I know. But Louisville last year controlled Clemson up front in a way I've never seen. And I don't I, know. If I know. I get but... Clemson. They still won 10 games last year, man. Like, it's, I get it wasn't Clemson, Clemson, but it was still something to give you confidence to say yeah. we and, can at least contend with these guys. Sure, sure. I don't know about this year, but sure. Uh, but one thing <laughs> yeah. I do want to say with the, that Kentucky thing that, that actually I was kind of looking at, I thought there was no way that they give up a lot of sacks and pressure too. And that yeah. really plays into, you know, what, what you guys do extremely well. So I know it's at Kentucky, Lexington's a crazy place, whatever, but you can't protect your quarterback if he's laying on his back. I mean, look out. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I'm feeling a little bit more confident, uh, but I, I still think going bowling, going bowling would be an, an amazing feat for this team. Yeah, hey, if he gets eight wins, ACC Coach of the Year, not out of the question. How about that for a turnaround <laughs> right there, man? We're Win right five. back. It's Friday, yeah. baby. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. It's Friday. Uh, all right, let's talk about the ACC. I've got, a, I've got a good one for you here, man. Syracuse-Clemson this weekend, maybe the game of the year in the ACC. If anybody had said that, they'd be a rich man by now. But <laughs> here's the question for you, okay? And this one's going to hurt a little bit. But in your opinion, if Syracuse pulls the upset and they beat Clemson, should Syracuse be in the conversation for the for the college football playoff? Absolutely. Why, why, why wouldn't they? I mean, I think that that oh, – yeah. Because they're Syracuse. I mean, that's the thing. They're Syracuse. True. That's true. Uh, But (laughs) I I think that when you see that defense, when you see this quarterback, the way that he's throwing the ball and Sean Tucker, we all know how special he is. That this is, this is your your grandpa Syracuse. Okay. This is a Syracuse team that Mm -hmm. is playing very well. But we're going to learn a lot about them this Saturday because when you look at their schedule, I think it ranks like 115 out of 130. So it is. It has not been uber challenging when you look at it from that perspective this is also their first real road game you know that they went to UConn and I think there was 2,000 people there that's awesome there's going to be 87,000 people in the valley it's going to be jacked up there's going to be a lot of energy so we're going to learn a lot about these guys how do they handle an environment like that what can they do if there's some adversity that's being faced and Again, I think we'll learn a lot about that defense as well. They're number one statistically in the ACC. Give them all the credit. I thought they were going to be a very, very good defense, but this is a little bit different animal than they've seen this season. And my question to follow that up with, do you think there's any chance in hell that someone from the Coastal wins the ACC championship? (laughs) Because, I mean, when you look at the Atlantic, I mean, not even the Atlantic, look at the ACC, like four of the top five, five of the top seven teams are in the Atlantic, and the Coastal – like it has been for the last decade, is just a chaotic mess. I mean, it looks like North Carolina is setting up to win the Coastal, but who knows at this point? We could have some more chaos unfold. Like, Do you (laughs) see any team from the Coastal having a shot at winning? Yeah, you you know what's crazy is I wish and hope and pray that we could have eliminated these things this year. I mean, how much fun would that have been with all these ranked teams that we have mm-hmm. in the Atlantic, how well all those teams are playing, and, and ultimately just getting us the best product. And that's that's all yeah. I care about. I don't have an allegiance to either division. I just want the best possible game in Charlotte where people are tuning in and they're like, daggum, this yeah. is good football. It's not – six and six Pittsburgh versus undefeated number one Clemson and they get stumped like no one no one wants to see that nobody cares so I I think when you look at it what's interesting is we're kind of 
dismissing some other teams already. Like Pittsburgh only has one loss. Miami, I know they lost to Carolina, but only has one loss. Georgia Tech is on fire and only has one it's loss. Second in the coastal. <laughs> Who the funk it? <laughs> no one, no one knows. No one understands. But as as it looks and as it is right now, Carolina's driving the car. And certainly with an offense like that, with a quarterback like Drake May, who my goodness, if there's a, a, a Heisman hype level for next year, that young man is, is going to be right at the top of it. He's playing at a super high level. We've seen offense do some crazy things, man. So I, I don't think it's out of the question. I need to see them play a couple of you know better defenses and then have a really true assessment. But it certainly looks like the Atlantic is going to roll again. All right, so who's the ACC player of the year right now? You've got a couple of different choices. You just mentioned Drake May. You've got Izzy Abandacanda. You've got uh, DJ U. I'm not even going to try. DJ U. There we go. DJ U <laughs> is what I was going for, but U came out. Um, and then you've got, you know, a couple of other guys like Sean Tucker, Garrett Schrader, who maybe don't have the, the stats to kind of measure those guys, but they're doing the winning. So who's the ACC player of the year? Yeah, for, for me, it's Drake May by a landslide right now. I mean, he, he's just playing at such a high level. The statistics are there. Even in their loss to Notre Dame, he puts up five touchdowns, balls out. Like, he, he is not the reason that they're ever going to lose a football game this season. And, and just his understanding of the offense for being such a young player. I mean, this guy potentially, if he wants it, has three more years of, of college football. Can you imagine what that development, you know, would look like in that last season? So, with, with all that in mind, I think he's just too good and, quite honestly, going to run away with it. All right, and then last question. We'll get you out of here on this. Clemson, if they win on Saturday against Syracuse, really their last major test of the season, they'll have Notre Dame, they'll have Louisville, they'll have Miami, South Carolina. But if they win this game, in your opinion, is Clemson um, what they were in years past and being able to go to the college football playoff and potentially compete with the Alabamas, the Georgias, and the Tennessees, who seem to be kind of at the top upper echelon of college football right now? Yeah, I think so, man. And you know what's so fascinating is we we judge Clemson on such a different spectrum, on such mm -hmm. a different level and standard. This is the third time in the history of the school that they have scored 30 points in their first seven games. We have said multiple weeks, what's wrong with the offense? What's wrong with this team? Well, nothing, because historically they're one of the best that Clemson has ever had. So I think that that some weaknesses have been exposed a little bit. Some some injuries have certainly played a key in some of these close games, and they're getting healthy. They're getting better. And certainly the, the way that the schedule ends with Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina, the fact that three of those four all, are all at home, uh, this, this Clemson team is peaking at the right time. And I, I think it. the one question that I had about them was quarterback play. And uh, with, with that at the level that it is, I think it's business as usual for the for the Tigers. Honestly, I think the biggest question for Clemson is their defense. I mean, we saw their cornerbacks get torched at Wake Forest, and they, I mean, they they won at Florida State, but they still gave up twenty eight. And Florida State is still pretty good; they still have athletes, but now they're four and three. So right. it, it's wild how a month ago we we're like, "What's wrong with the offense? Our defense is so dominant," and now the conversation is completely flipped. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But I, I think that's just showing you a team that is still figuring it out. And to be number five in the country and seven and oh, that's a pretty good place to be still figuring things out. That's right. That's right. Well, hopefully Louisville can can bounce back here this week. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Clemson and Syracuse game. 
Uh, definitely going to be the game of the year in the ACC, yeah. in my opinion. I don't know if you top the the actual game of the Wake Forest back <laughs> and forth, but in terms of the, just the top teams, it's going to be a great game. Uh, as always, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. For our audience, you guys, be sure to catch him on the ACC Network, the huddle, each weekend uh, throughout the, the day of, of college football slate. What do you got this weekend, Eric? What are the games the ACC Network's got? Yeah, man, we're loaded up. It's a small schedule, but impactful. And, uh, you know, excited to see these guys. Obviously, y'all are prime time. So we're going to have a massive show leading into that. Cannot wait to break everything down for the Cardinals and the Pitt Panthers. And I appreciate you guys having me. Always fun to, to sit down and discuss. Yeah, absolutely, man. And like I said, we'll have no pressure, but we'll be waiting for that from the pink seats. Shout, <laughs> shout out on the huddle on Saturday night. Right. I sent you the picture I took of you early in the season, throwing your L's up, man. So we That's expect right. to see the double L's again this weekend. No doubt. Thank you so much for, tuning, for, for hopping on with us, man. We'll catch up with you later. Appreciate y'all. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.